We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. Fellas, how are we doing? We're talking playoff basketball. I'm good. I'm excited to be here talking about this this series. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it for a 2-7 series where there's a clear um, favorite, I feel like it's more interesting than, you know, say, I don't know, whoever, whoever was 2-7 last year. I think it's, it's a little more interesting this year, but I'm excited for it. It's interesting, and I, I assume that being on a Nets podcast and now writing for Raptors websites, you are talking about the Brooklyn Nets as being the favorites. No, we know, we know. We're gonna, we'll, we'll be diving deep into the stats. We've got a lot of questions as well uh, to touch on from some very smart listeners as well that make us think about this series in a different way. But uh, lots to get to, Nick. Let's dive in. 
Yeah, let's cover this. And as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTG Basketball, and Blue Wire Pods. But looking back at the season series recap, we can only take so much from that because we know the bubble nets are missing essentially half their roster. But the Raptors did take the season series 3-1. to one. Karis LeVert did average 23 points on over 60% from the field, 60% from three, three rebounds, and three assists. But on the Raptor side, they had plenty of shooters just go off. Matt Thomas obviously doesn't play a ton, but he shot 75% from three. Norman Powell, 70%. Marcus Soule, 60%. Fred Van Vliet, 48%. Serge Ibaka, 46%. And Kyle Lowry at 38%. So they killed the Nets from three. But guys, is there really anything we can take away from the season series between these teams, given how much has changed for the Nets? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Karis got into his shots, but I have a little... I, I, I don't want to... Sp- like fully throw this takeout. I'm interested to see because that even like Karis LeVert is a different Karis LeVert than we saw against Toronto in terms of where he's taking his shots from. So me personally, I I, I don't know if I can read anything off those games. No, not really. Uh, obviously, I think that the style of game for both teams is going to be similar. I think that if you you're the Brooklyn Nets, you can probably take more about what the Raptors were doing. Of, and obviously, because they barely played in the sort of semblance of their normal rotation, in have have been doing so in Orlando. So I think that if you're doing the scouting and you're looking at the video from the Brooklyn Nets side of things, yeah, you take some things away from that. But if you're the Toronto Raptors, you've got to be looking at these past eight games that the the bubble Nets have been playing to sort of see how they've changed and, and what Jacques Vaughn is doing for them. So if anything, you know, we'll, we'll be getting to X factors. Maybe that gives them a little bit of an X factor in terms of the differences and the time that'll be need to spend uh, behind the scenes, looking at the video and that sort of thing. I know that we've got a couple of guys on this one that I'd certainly dive deeper to the video when it comes to both teams and players and such. So probably not Nick, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think just given how much has changed and the pieces that the Nets do not have here, being Spencer Dinwiddie, who's such a big piece of the Nets this entire season, not having the seeding games, obviously Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, all guys missing without mentioning KD or Kyrie. It's hard to take anything to account based off of the difference in play. And then overall, just I think there's been a little bit of change in like the NBA play in these seeding games in comparison to what we saw in the regular season. But moving over to strengths, what are we looking at for each team? Right now, I mean, um, I I don't I guess it would have to be the three point shooting for the Nets. Let me look this up. Um, they were they they've been shooting thirty seven point six percent from three point land. That seems pretty high, but I guess that's what they've been shooting from the bubble. Um, I think three point shooting's been up overall in in terms yeah. of yeah in terms of three point shooting. Um, so they've been they've been pretty good from three. Toronto, you could say. They allow a lot of threes, at least corner threes. But yeah, I, 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 Nick, you made a great point about this before we got on. They're, they're allowing certain guys to shoot from three point land. So you made the, you made the point of, well, we'll expect to see a lot of Garrett Temple shooting three pointers, <laughs> which I think is pretty valuable. But I mean, look, if the Nets can catch fire like they did against Milwaukee and everybody's making shots, Garrett Temple included, I think that's a real advantage for them. Um, Toronto, I mean, it just comes down to depth and just having better players. I would also say, like, for something that I'm kind of watching is I think they might throw the right type of defense at Karis LeVert, mm. personally. Just based on what I've seen, um, they're really, really, really good at limiting shots in the short mid-range, which is where Karis has just been eating from. So they've been great at that. Gasol's been amazing, especially protecting the rim. So 
those two things I don't think bode well, super well for him. Plus, they have all these guys they can throw at him, Siakam, OG, and Anobi. Um, I expect it to be a pretty tough series for him, oddly enough. So I think those two things work well for them. Shutting down Brooklyn's really only source of, of offense is tricky. And then just being top to bottom better. You yeah, know? yeah I, I mean, I, I went through some statistical sort of stuff. The Nets, in terms of their strengths, eighth best offense in Orlando, the sixth best E-field goal percentage. Was at the fifth best assist percentage, ninth best net rating. Uh, funnily enough, they had the fifth best opponent a field goal percentage. So they've been defending relatively well in the eight games so far. Also seventh in points off turnovers. Um, and in terms of just general sort of stuff, as Matt was sort of touching a little bit, I think the team chemistry of the Nets is really on point right now. And as much as coaching is a real strength of the Toronto Raptors, they'll have the likely coach of the year. I think Jacques Vaughn is coaching his ass off as well. And for the, the Raptors, I um, their sort of stats for me, uh, they're the second best field goal percentage in the league over the entire season. They are six in points off turnovers, second best defense, fourth best net rating, sixth best three-point shooting. Um, there are so many great defenders, as Matt was sort of talking about. Just so damn athletic, strong, great at forcing turnovers. Um, they've got awesome depth. Their just rotation is insane, and their transition offense is is awesome. Um, it, can the net stop that? I know that John Schumann put something out. According to Synergy, Toronto's third in transition efficiency at uh, 1.15 points uh, per possession. But in the half court, they're not so great at 0.96. So if the Nets can limit that in a way, then we'll get to the weaknesses in, in a little bit, Nick. But that's one thing that could uh, go a long way to sort of evening it up somewhat. Yeah, I, I'm kind of similar to Matt here. I think the three-point potential will be there. Like, there's going to be open threes for guys. It's not going to be Joe Harris, but there's going to be other guys in the roster to step up. You know, a Garrett Temple. Maybe it's Tyler Johnson. Maybe they live with some TLC threes, even though he's been hot. And then I think probably the biggest strength for the Nets in this series is that there's no pressure on them. Like, no one is even expecting them to win a game. They're expected to get blown out. They can play carefree, kind of how they were playing in those seeding games. Then the Raptors side, obviously, they have a lot of strengths. You're looking at defense. You're looking at playoff experience. You're looking at depth, communication, basketball IQ, and then just overall talent. Like, they're just a substantially more talented team than these bubble Nets. But moving on from there, we could talk weaknesses. What are we looking at from the Nets side weakness-wise? Um, man, I mean, I was so uh, tricky, kind of a tricky question. I don't know who the hell guards, uh, guards Pascal Siakam. I'm doing disclaimer. I'm doing a little bit of a preview, um, for Raptors Republic, not doing anything on the net side of things. Um, which is nice because they just asked me a bunch of questions and I don't really have to use my brain too much, except <laughs> uh, just answer their questions. So pretty easy way to preview. But, um, yeah, I, I was kind of going through it. They, I was just looking at like NBA's matchup stats, which aren't like necessarily the most like accurate stats all the time. Yeah. They threw TP at them at uh, Siakam quite a bit. They threw Temple and Joe Harris at him. And I don't love either of those matchups to be completely honest with you. I, Garrett Temple's foot speed is going to be a problem if they're throwing him at Siakam. I don't think they're going to do that. So I almost feel like it's going to be Rody and, Boy, he is sink or swim. I mean, I yeah. like Rhodey a lot, but my goodness, like the fouling's an issue. The the turnovers can be an issue. Um, that's a tough hill to die on. And then after that, it's like TLC. I just think he's a little small. So that's the weakness right now. I don't know. I don't know how you stop that. Yeah, I think overall the the 
the Nets defense, as much as it's been a better and obviously has been a strength throughout the season, I think overall with the, the rotation we have now, there's there's not a lot really going for it. Obvi- there is obviously good communication from Garrett Temple. Rody has moments. Jared Allen's been insane. Um, the talent level is just, it's such a discrepancy. Like it, it's, it's seriously just two completely different teams. Like this isn't a 2-7 series talent-wise. This is like a, a 1-10 series <laughs> talent-wise. Uh, and I think the Nets center rotation, um, we saw in, in the game against Portland, you know, throwing Justin Anderson out there, you know, Dante Hall's failing like crazy um, in previous games. So, and when going up against Serge Barker and Marcus Gasol, uh, have fun with that, Jared Allen. Uh, it's not <laughs> going to be an easy one. For the Raptors, as I sort of alluded to, their half-court offense, not a great um, offensive and, and defensive rebounding team. So I think that that could be an area where Jared Allen maybe has a bit of fun with and sort of they look to sort of exploit. You know, throughout the season, uh, the Raptors have been the 22nd worst, uh, 22nd best or eighth worst defensive rebounding percentage team and even worse on the offensive glass, uh, 24th there. So maybe that's an area where the, the Nets are like, all right, we don't have the talent, but let's out-rebound these guys um, and let's just try and out-hustle them. And, and I think that that's what a lot of teams try to do. You know, you try and get hot, you try and get some boards. And, and that, I think that's something that could play into some of the Nets' strengths. We know Jared Allen is an incredible rebounding, including his offensive rebounding. Um, in late in the stretch against Portland, he was mm. beastly, absolutely yeah. beastly. So... Um, and you guys both touched on, you know, the, they're giving up the most threes in the league. And I think Zach Lowe in his piece said the most corner threes in league history, which is almost unheard of. It's the, the, the shot that the, the Nets want the most. And TLC's we know how good his lips. he is. He's <laughs> loving it. I'm sure he's listening. Timothy, you know, <laughs> keep taking him, my guy. Keep taking him. Um, earn that spot next year, my friend. And, you know, just I think the Nets is going to have to keep on just shooting him. And it doesn't matter who it is, you know, obviously – We'd prefer if Joe Harris is getting those shots, but I, I sincerely doubt he's going to get the looks that he probably wants. But that also means that he's he's been a lot smarter making decisions off the dribble. He's a great driver. He's taken some good mid-range shots too. So um, if he didn't shoot the, the three ball well against Portland, but the Nets did overall, I think they shot like 42%. So it doesn't totally rely on him. You know, other guys can get hot. Tyler Johnson's been good from there. Um, we know uh, TLC has been a, a goddamn flamethrower from there. Garrett Temple shot it pretty well in the bubble. Carrots hasn't really got it going so far. Um, but we know that, like, as you alluded to, Nick, he has shot the ball well against Toronto uh, so far across his career. So uh, there's some minor areas that the Nets can sort of go, all right, here we go. But here's a couple of things um, we can sort of look to. But uh, overall, they're going to have to really execute uh, in those little minutiae, so to speak. Yeah, and I think just the areas where the Nets are weak just really hurt, like you guys alluded to. Like the size differential is huge. Like, it's just a lot of pressure on Jared Allen to bang bodies with so many different guys. And then really only having one competent power forward that can play NBA minutes. And we're not, you know, he's probably not a starter in Rodion's. And he's going to have to bang with Siakam and then Serge Ibaka. And then they'll probably play OG at, you know, power forward a little bit too. And then I think just like the playoff experience is such a huge factor. It's going to be a weakness for the Nets. Like a lot of these guys don't even have a lot of NBA minutes in general. And hardly any of them have playoff minutes. And that's going to play a factor. And like we've, you know, talked about a lot in the show, just the talent differential where guys are just going to be at a disadvantage from a talent standpoint. And then a lot of guys are going to be at a, a disadvantage from a physical standpoint where the guy they're trying to defend is either 
physically taller than them or just physically bigger and stronger than them. And that's just kind of taxing on you through a seven game series on the Raptor size. Like there are weaknesses. We mentioned the three point shooting and maybe the fact that they're not the most dominant offense, but again, they're going to have so many mismatches where they shouldn't have that much trouble, you know, producing offense, especially with some of the the pieces the Nets are going to have to have on the floor. And I'd I'd just say another weakness for the Nets is like, if you're able to shut down Karis LeVert, that's really a big motor to what the Nets are, the bubble Nets are doing offensively. And it's going to be tough to see anybody else being able to produce the same type of reduction you're getting from Karis from not only a scoring perspective, but a playmaking perspective. Second team, all bubble, Karis LeVert, thank you very much. Love it. I was pretty hyped about that, I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Put some respect on his name, as as, uh, Damian Lillard would say. But uh, key matchups, what are we looking at, guys? Well, Matt, I want to jump in here because this is where we started to get a, a heap of great questions um, from uh, the listeners and stuff. And, and we had our shout guy, Will them. Jackson. We are, yeah, absolutely massive shout out to those guys. Um, we had a question from Will Jackson. Let's get to the big one. Who do you think will guard Karras on Toronto? You alluded to it. Um, we've sort of touched on it a little bit. Uh, he asked OG, Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. Is he going to get different looks? Um, do you think he, he might get some doubles like we saw against Orlando? Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's going to get double teamed, like no doubt. Depending upon who's on the floor, um, I would expect them to either blitz him or if they're not blitzing him in the pick and roll, they're going to probably go under screens on him, which I think will be interesting to watch and see how he handles that. Um, so I think I think that'll probably be what you're looking at. So any of the guys that he named, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking, like, I would probably, if I'm Toronto, like Matt said, I'm forcing the ball out of his hands, making his life miserable as many possessions as I can, and I'm going to probably put OG and Siakam on him because Karras hasn't been great in that three-point shooting. He's trying to get to those mid-range shots. He's trying to get inside. Having a bigger bigger and stronger defender is going to kind of prevent that, and it's going to take away one of the advantages we've seen over the course of the bubble games where he's getting a lot of guards defending him. He can see over those guards and make those passes and read those double teams a little bit easier, but with with Toronto's size, that's just going to be so much harder and I think it's going to take Karras out of his game and it's going to be on a lot of the other nets that create stuff and Jacques Vaughn to probably set up different stuff like I actually was thinking about this before doing this preview. Like, we actually might see Karis LeVert off ball a lot more in this series than we anticipated because Toronto's going to make his life so much miserable on ball, which could be something we could take into a factor going to next season with his fit with Katie and Kyrie. That's yeah, a good that's, one. Wow. It's a good point. It's a good wow. point. And and Lucas was, I guess, asking, I guess, the Lucas Kaplan was asking questions. I guess we sort of touched on a little bit. Toronto shut down the Warriors uh, minus Katie last year by suffocating Curry off the pick and roll. How do you anticipate them attacking Levert on defense and how should Nets prepare slash respond? But you sort of touched on, I guess, the, the sagging off in the sort of pick and roll defense. Yeah. Do you think, though, we saw that for those that watched, the, I guess, the, the Portland and Memphis game today. That that's what they would do. That's what they do to John Morant. But then Morant gets a little bit of space and he attacks. Do you for for Levert? Do you think that that's what he should do? He should use that space to go. All right, I'm either taking this three or I'm I'm going to attack you guys and and put pressure on the defense and and go hard to the rim. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the way to counteract it. Like if if he's taking threes, that's a that's a win for Toronto for Toronto. Like pretty much not every time, but quite a quite a lot of the time. So. I think that the idea would be for him to try to use a little bit of that as a runway to get to the rim. I just think they have a lot of guys that can kind of protect the basket. Like yeah. that's just they they just can throw giant lineups out and and make his life, you know, absolute hell. I don't know. I I'm worried. Like I can't lie, I'm a little worried. I he's a great player. He's been very very good. I was trying to figure out today where he is on the hierarchy. 
which I know some people hate doing top whatever list. Some people think that. We like, love it. We love it. I love it, man. I'm like, that's a great way to view a player. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just like doing it that way. I think it's an easier way to look at players through a lens. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I believe in him because he's, he's you know, exceeded my expectations every step of the way. Um, but I am interested to see because I think that's his only alternative, right, is just trying to put his head down and just hoping that he either gets fouled or can pull up, uh, you know, with a little bit of space in that short mid-range painted area. Um, I think that's what you're looking at right now. Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, Karras hasn't shot the three ball well in the bubble, but if I'm not mistaken, during the season, he was actually, like, one of the top pull-up three-point shooters in the league. Like, uh, Zach Law, I remember pointing out one of his pieces. He hasn't shot that way in, you know, the bubble. Could he, you know, translate that in these games against the Raptors? It's still going to be tough because, like, even if they go under screens, they're still not going to play bad defense. They're still going to make it a tough shot, and they're going to contest it. Like I mentioned, I'm a little bit worried about Karras in terms of, like, how miserable they're going to make his life and how much pressure they're going to put on. Like he's seen double teams in the bubble, but they've all been from mediocre defenses or teams that really aren't caring that much. Toronto is at a whole different level. And like Matt mentioned, they have so many big guys that can get in front of the rim, but even the small guys on this team do a great job rotating and making those shots more difficult than normally against some of the lesser teams in this league. They don't have bad defenders. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. It's they don't real, play bad defenders. They don't play bad defenders, and, you know, it's going to be tough. And, I, I mean, uh, our guy Pete Toll uh, did ask about, I guess, Karras Avert um, after seeing him in the Portland series. We talked about uh, Karras enough. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0, and it only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up. On top of their other discounts, go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BACKBOARD or DealDash.FM slash BACKBOARD. That's deal-fm slash backboard. But we also had uh, Gia, uh, Gin, uh, Gia Gianmarco and Pete both ask about the sort of combating the big man rotation and the size that Toronto have. And, and Pete said, what adjustments will Jacques have to make to the rotation to help the Nets combat the size of Ibaka and Gasol? And on a similar line of thinking, Gia uh, Gianmarco said, how could Brooklyn limit Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka? Um, Jared Allen, um, Jared Allen's uh, strengths uh, are a real key uh, for the series. 
Uh, I mean, just looking at that and talking about the Marcus Sol and Serge Ibaka point, I'm not sure they can limit those guys. You're just hoping that Marcus <laughs> Sol is, is hesitant. Like we've seen him in the past in the postseason last year, not really aggressive. But based off the stats I read before, <laughs> he shot 60% against the, the Nets in terms of three-point shooting this year. Like I don't know what you can ask Jared Allen to do because – we saw in the game even against Washington, they needed him to be inside to protect the rim because there are so many different issues with the on-ball defense from the other perimeter guys. He's going to have to stay there. So you're just going to essentially have to give up those three-point shots to Serge Ibaka, Marcus Sol, you know, whoever it might be. I know Matt might have a different idea, maybe throwing some zone at him. Um. Yeah. I. I. I guess. I. I got corrected by stats Twitter. <laughs> so maybe not. But uh, stats Twitter. The worst kind it. of Twitter. They're yeah, worse than the Delo stands. No yeah. context Twitter. The, that's I. I. About. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, just providing some context. That, that's that Twitter. Um. No. I mean, look. Like, I don't. I think. Like, they're not gonna play zone full time. But I think if you can throw out little hints of zone at at the Raptors, I think that's a way to slow them down. Like, I, I tweeted this, but um. They are 30th in terms of half-court offense against the zone. Um, so I, I think that's a way to slow them down. Clearly something about that. I mean, you know, I think what it, that really tells you is that they don't have guys that can really drive and kick. Like, really, really, really drive and kick. You know, I know Lowry is capable of getting to the basket. I don't want to disrespect him. But um, I, I think that's kind of what that tells me right now is that that's really what throws off his own defense. You know, you drive down the lane or, or you even drive like baseline and, and that sort of warps the zone. I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that. I, I don't know if it's a big enough advantage for the Nets long term, but it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I think, think the, the creativity is going to have to be there. Yeah, I, I think the Nets can actually have guys that if they, the zone is thrown at them, they have guys that can drive and kick. Joe Harris, I think Rodion has yep. been doing it better. And Garrett Temple can do it. Even TLC of late has been doing it okay. And we know Jared Allen in the short roll has been has been great at those kickout passes. And obviously, Karis Avert is, is is the best at it on, on the team currently. And, you know, Chioza, obviously, too. So I think that if we the zone will be more effective, I think, if the Nets were in to implement it than if the Raptors were. Because if they're giving up threes... I think that the the Nets overall as a team are just gonna well, gonna want to shoot the lights out because when you like we sort of mentioned in terms of you know key stats and, and key sort of things that the Raptors are gonna give you, you know when you have a less talented team you have to out hustle them and you just have to hope for a good shooting night and no matter who it is it's got to be the role players and we'll get to X factors I, I guess later on but we touched on Kyle Lowry a little bit and um, we had our guys at uh, Sam at the only Nets fan say how do how do we contain Kyle Lowry and his antics I mean. <laughs> Dad ass, dad ass. How are we going to stop? <laughs> Matt, you can take this one first because I have plenty to say about Lowry. <laughs> Dude, I I hate to do this. I really, 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 um, <laughs> I really like Kyle Lowry. I know I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> I'm one of those people that loves Kyle Lowry. Um, maybe that's from not growing up like a, a Nets fan. I don't have the uh, the vitriol that I should for him. No, I mean, look, man, like, um, I. I don't know how you slow down Kyle Lowry, honestly. I think Kyle Lowry is like, you know, I, I guess you would throw a, a bigger guard on him. But even that, like, he can post guys up. Like, he can do little things here and there. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that's going to slow down Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry, right? Like, if he comes out cold, that's going to be the thing. I don't know if they really have anybody that's going to slow him down. Maybe Garrett Temple, now that I'm actually yeah. thinking about this. Because, you know, Lowry, say what you want. Not like the speediest lead guard. Like he's not 
he's not the zippiest guy. I don't think that that's, yeah, you know, he's not slow by any means, but he's not one of those matchups that's going to be problematic, I think, for a Garrett Temple who whose foot speed can be a little bit troubling. Saw that against Portland. My goodness, Damian Lillard was getting around him. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I could see maybe Garrett Temple. That could be a decent matchup for him. Use those arms and uh, defensive acuity to his advantage. Yeah, I think like this, and I'm not even trying to take a shot at Lowry. I think the referees have a huge impact on his game because we know he's a guy that's going to be flopping. He's going to be looking to take charges. He's going to be looking to get under your skin. And we even saw in the past, I think the matchup this year in January, Kyle Lowry got into it with Jared Allen, which is just like a weird thing. And then he said to Jared Allen, like, what are you going to do about it? So I also feel like the Nets, it's a weird line of like maintaining, like, you know, not letting him get under your skin and upset you, but also not letting him punk you. You know what I mean? Like your center can't get like tossed by a, a guard and not like say anything about it. Like we know Jared Allen's not that type of guy. Somebody has to step up and just not allow the Nets to get punked. And I think like Lowry definitely doesn't respect the Nets. Like based off of how they played this season and just like his emotions in that, I think that's like a factor. And I know that's not really as much like on the court stuff. It's more of like personalities and emotions. But I think that's part of Lowry's game. Like, that's something that he'll do. And I think we all, like Matt mentioned, he doesn't have as much ties. But I remember that 2014 series very well. And I feel like every Nets fan after that series hated Kyle Lowry to the highest extent because of the charging and the antics and all the flopping and complaining. And I think that's, like, a factor that can play in this game. In terms of, like, on the court, I think Garrett Temple is not the worst matchup because he seems like a guy that's able to maintain himself. He's not going to let somebody get under his skin. Very composed. So I kind of like that, too. And then also you have to worry about him, like, you don't necessarily want to put Karras over on him because Lowry's going to be running around and has the possibility of getting him in foul trouble. So I think Temple or one of the other guards just chasing him and just trying to stay composed against Lowry because I know he's going to piss off plenty of players on the nets and throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he, he did it to possible future now, Aaron Gordon, and he gave him his room number. So for <laughs> Brooklyn Nets players listening, eight. Three, four. So if you want Aaron to do Gordon, you want that trade to happen? <laughs> you want that trade to happen? Go to I mean, <laughs> who knows? And, and, and this is this is gonna be a weird sort of point, but like Torian Prince was normally that guy that sort of wouldn't let the net sort of get punked, quote unquote, or whatever you want to call it. You know, he, he was sort of the guy that's like, nah, we ain't taking this shit. So uh, the Nets are gonna be missing him. And and TP's been on fire on Twitter. I've asked him a few times if he wants to jump on the buzz. Ask KD today as well. I'll keep shooting my shot there. So we'll we'll see how we go, guys. But. In, in that sort of stretch, I mean, we, we all know that it's going to be Spider-Man meme with Fred Van Vliet and Chris Gioza. It's going to be, you know, <laughs> am I guarding you? You guarding me? What's going on here? We're, we're small guys. You're a better shooter than me. I'm a better passer than you. Uh, that'll be Spider-Man meme uh, for days and days. And uh, I'm, I'm sure someone's going to put out. You know what? I'm going to probably steal the meme and put it out uh, before yeah, the game. Yeah, do it. Do it now. One. Yeah, I've got, got the Photoshop going while you guys are chatting about it, uh, all the all the minutiae and all the important stuff. You know, go. we all know that memes and reaction videos are, are what's important on Twitter. Yeah, uh, none good. of this analytics stuff that Matt and Nick provide. Just you want the fun content, <laughs> the fun dumb content that I provide. In, in saying that, guys, are there any other matchups that you think uh, stick out? Obviously, you know, the, we talked about the center rotation. We talked about Karis Levert. We talked about a lot of the, I guess, important stuff. You know, obviously we can talk about, you know, Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, and, and the sort of starting lineups. But we'll be getting to the rotations and X factors. Matt, does anything else stick out before we do get to the X factors? Um, can I say, and I don't know who is going to have this responsibility, but will they put OG on Joe Harris and just completely take away the three-point offense? It'll be hard. That's yeah. so hard. That that sucks if if they do <laughs> like that sucks because OG is unreal like an unreal defender. 
Um, I think Even Van Vliet is a really good off-ball defender. Yeah. We saw what he did in the finals against Steph Curry. He made it, like, obviously the Raptors gave him a lot of attention, but he did a great job himself. Yeah, or Norm Powell, even if you want yeah. to do that, who's, like, solid. Um, yeah, they, dude, I, I'm sorry. I really, I wish I liked this matchup a little bit more. Um, but, God, the Raptors are so good defensively. It is just terrifying. It's going to be really interesting in what we didn't even talk about this matchup yet, but Jacques Vaughn versus Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse yes. being one of the best coaches in the NBA, willing to get really funky with his lineups, his game plan, his rotation, whatever it is. He's willing to do something different. And Vaughn has shown the ability to do that in the seeding games. Obviously, he's at a big talent differential, but I think there's going to be an opportunity for Vaughn to maybe showcase some more of his skills to at least, I don't want to say challenge Nick Nurse, but to make him adjust a little bit too. And it's the only chance the Nets have in trying to get their three best players in favorable spots because like you mentioned matt like they have the ability to either double team Karis, put a good defender on them and they're just going to smother joe at the three-point line and it's not like you want to depend on offense from garrett temple tyler johnson chris gioza or tlc in an isolation situation or something like that so vaughn's gonna have to get even more creative than what we saw in these last couple games i know matt just did a great piece for nets daily on that yeah well, obviously wait that if you if you aren't already at matt brooks is it at matt brooks or at matt brooks nba at Matt Brooks NBA. There we go. Got the got the right second time. Second time is what matters. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think Jacques Vaughn in, in that sense, just to piggyback on what you said, Nick, you know, he's just gonna have to keep throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping and hoping that three, four, however many times well, four times out of seven to to win a series, but just hoping that there's more bullseyes than and they're actually, you know, landing on the board, you know, getting a couple of twenties here and there. Um I'm not. I don't really know many darts references. That's probably not the best analogy. I, I need a bullseye, bro. There you go. Yeah, let's just get bull, just bullseye. Yay! Um, but in that sort of sense, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch that because we've we've seen some some adjustments that that Jafon has already implemented. He's, he's he's let these guys you know have a bit more freedom on the offensive end. You know, the play seems to be taking a bit of control defensively. There's a bit more switching happening, um, and I think that Garrett Temple is a guy that's really stepped up as a sort of leader on 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 that side of the floor. We've sort of spoken about that on, on the previous pod. You know. Obviously, he was telling Jeremiah Martin that he doesn't care if that's Michael Jordan out there. You've got a gun from half court. Um, obviously, sound advice. Uh, thankfully, we aren't coming up against Damian Lillard. That's LeBron James's problem uh, this time around. But yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. You know, Nick Nurse. Maybe, hopefully, he's he's worried about the guitar a little bit more than he's worried about these Raptors, and you know, he underestimates and he's not on, on his game so to speak, and the, the Nets uh, are underestimated by the Toronto Raptors overall, but I think that they're a bit too good. And uh, given their recent history, they did lose game one last year uh, to the Orlando Magic as well, but e even this team is, is a different base. So uh, in saying that, let's get to the X factors. Uh, Matt, what have you got for me? What do you think could be some X factors for the Brooklyn Nets uh, in this series uh, against the Toronto Raptors? X factors is a good one. Um, X factors for the Nets. Can I say Tyler Johnson, who I think has been my a first name, my first name that I had written down. Got him too. Yeah, uh, Tyler Johnson. I'm. I yeah. I think Tyler Johnson's gonna be my my pick. Um, he just feels like a guy that can like get twenty and swing a game. You know what I mean? And just a random twenty two. It's just like yeah. the shots he got in that Portland game. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm gonna come off the screen. I'm gonna shoot a random mid range. Yep. Oh, I might cut to the rim, get a couple free throws, hit a big three. He just has a really, like, interesting – I don't know if his game is interesting. Just, like, his feel and where he takes his shots is kind of different than what maybe we've seen from some other players in the past. Well, he's nice because he's a spot-up threat. So he can, yeah. like – if you run him off the line, like, he – well, A, he can just shoot off the catch. But if you run him off the line, he can take two dribbles and, like, you know, create a little something. It's it's pretty nifty. Those guard skills come, come in advantage. I mean yeah. – 
I think I look at Tyler Johnson as a big thing. I think you could probably say a lot of the Nets role players in the situation, but after him, I look at Rodion's and like, mm. you need him to stay out of foul trouble, maybe do a solid job on Siakam. Maybe he ends up on Marcus Olin. You put Jared Allen on Siakam. That'd be something maybe I'd look at too, because you could probably hide Rodion's a little bit. And then you let Siakam shoot that three ball who hasn't necessarily been shooting good. But I think Rodion staying on the court, not getting in foul trouble and making those smart plays and not hesitating from three, because he is a good three point shooter when he's actually shooting the ball confidently the problem is is that's not the case every night all right man what are the x factors for you i guess we sort of talked about tyler johnson we talked about roadie a little bit uh, what else sticks out to you for something that could give the the nets a, a bit of an edge over this you know more experienced more talented toronto raptors team uh <laughs> boy i mean that's twice those... that's twice i've heard poor size <laughs> get hype, man. it's playoff basketball baby. i know i know let me let me think i i, I could jeremiah martin play a couple of minutes Absolutely. in this one. Like, can we, can we get a little Jeremiah Martin love? I mean, I don't know. In instances, he's been a, he's been, that's the only guy I could think of. I, I think Chioza, I, I, it's weird. I do feel like we kind of know what we're going to get from him at this point, yep. which like feels, feels weird saying that. But I mean, for, for, I guess in terms of like just throwing something out that Toronto's not going to see coming, it would have to be Jeremiah Martin, right? Just him getting up in, I don't know, Fred Van Vliet's jersey and, and making his life, Hell Somebody on. to annoy Cal Lowry back. <laughs> yeah. Basically. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, I had a, a a couple more general things, you know, despite being a starter and one of the, the quote-unquote part of the big three, uh, Jared Allen, I think, could have a, a series, you know, I alluded to the offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding. You know, he's when he's on and when he's rebounding the ball well, Nets generally do play with basketball as well. You know, three-point shooting and then passing – you know, um, off wax, you know, Nick and I were, were kind of chatting a bit about, you know, you if you are a less talented team, the way you make up for it is hitting the three ball, getting the ball movement going and making those hustle plays. And, you know, what I'm intrigued about, you know, I'm not sure if this is necessarily an X factor, but the playoff experience from last year, we, we know Carol Savert was by far the, the best Nets performer in that Philadelphia series. And he solidified himself as probably the Nets' best player in that sort of nucleus. And you know, now we've got Jared Allen coming in for rounds for the players. Now we've got Joe Harris. Both of those guys certainly underperformed in that series. But, you know, I've, I've spoken about uh, plenty about the team USA experience for Joe Harris, uh, the playoff experience last year. How is he going to learn from that, you know, like Matt alluded to as well, having OG Ananobi or the, the likes of those sort of guys running around and, and, and making things goddamn hell for you. Uh, it's going to be tough. But, you know, I, I think that the, the Nets are going to be confident and, they, that's the that's a good thing that Jaff One has instilled in them. You know, they're playing confident and, and free basketball. And, you know, they're not necessarily afraid of the, the, the likes of the Raptors because, you know, go against the Bucks. You know, we got uh, Giannis uh, wanting to headbutt, you know, other teams now. Uh, Dante Hall, maybe Dante Hall, we just get, we throw him out there for just uh, uh, 10 minutes and just get 6,000 and make Serge Ibaka and Marcus all pissed off. Maybe that's a, a, something that we do. Just you know, use an eleven-man rotation. Get Justin Anderson out there. Just just be athletic and just get every offensive ball that he can because he's not going to be guard well in the post. We saw that, that against that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt bad for him in that. Like, wow, that was, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to like that but my goodness I, mean, yeah, I saw dude. tweets like Hassan Whiteside's playing really well like shit he's got six inch advantage if he yeah. can't score in the post <laughs> against Justin Anderson he shouldn't even be getting minutes like <laughs> and he wasn't even uh, playing well because he's like still like, I think he's led the well he led 
he was the worst in plus minus on the team, despite the fact that he got like 15 points and like 18 boards. He was still like minus nine or 11, which shows how effective the basketballer he is. But it's not a, it's not a, I was about to say a heat podcast. It's not a Blazers podcast in that sense. Yeah, just maybe we get wacky with the rotation. Maybe that's an X factor as well. You know, Jeremiah Martin, Justin Anderson, Jamal Crawford's hamstring, you know, miraculously injures, uh, not injures, uh, heals. It's, um, I guess we're, we're clutching your shores a little bit, I guess, guys. But uh, I would say another X factor that's – I don't want to say it's a big X factor, but it could allow the Nets to play more zone is if the front court of Toronto is not hitting their threes. You know, being Siaka, Marcus Ole, Serge Ibaka. Like, if those guys aren't knocking down their shots, defense gets a little bit easier for the Nets because they only have to shut down X amount of players. And those guys have all had instances in the past where they've been kind of shaky. And then looking at it just from another Nets perspective would be like, can Vaughn – get these guys in situations where they're at some type of advantage or there's not a double team coming from Karis Avert. There's a play that Matt mentioned in uh, his piece on Nets Daily, which I pointed out earlier, where they run the triple screen with Levert in the post. Maybe it's not that exact play, but I've seen the Nets run this action where you have Levert in the post, you're running an action with Jared Allen and Joe Harris at the top, and you have to make a decision on those guys, and you don't want to leave them alone. So that gives Karis an opportunity to get that ISO possession and get to the paint just the chance to get his shot off before the weak side help gets there. And that might be the only way that he can get these possessions. But again, if he's isolating against OG or Siakam, you're not feeling amazing because they're very good defenders, but you can find a switch. So I think Vaughn trying to get an opportunity for his big three in terms of Joe Harris, Karis Avert, and Jared Allen. It says it's weird even saying that. And trying yeah. to put them in adv- advantages or situations where they can score and do things they've done really well, which he's done nice over these seeding games. But against an elite defense, it's going to take that next level of coaching to get there. Yeah, big time. Uh, before we get to the rotation, we did have a question about it um, from our guy, D-Rock. Uh, he, had, he said this, is the starting lineup of Levert, Temple, Harris, Kurtz, and Allen the best one we can do? Or is uh, there another one better? He suggested saying, um, would Tyler Johnson be better with that lineup? And he also asked, can Dante Hall get some burn as Allen's primary backup? Matt, what do you think about that question from our guy, D-Rock? Um, man, I got to see the whole thing out, but let me answer, let me answer these one at a time. Um, the sure. Dante Hall thing, I'm actually really happy we touched on him. Cause I feel like we've t- talked about pretty much everybody else. Um, I might've missed, so I missed the Clippers games and did he play in that game or was there, did they just kind of decide they didn't want to go with him for whatever reason? If he did play, he, he did. didn't have an impact. It okay. might've been for a couple minutes. I know there was one game where he played like two minutes made three mistakes in two minutes, got like three fouls and he didn't play the rest of the game. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm just kind of curious about what I, I, I don't think he'll play, right? Will he not play in this series or are they going to need to put out size? I think eventually he might like, there's going to be a game where Jared Allen gets in foul trouble. It's just hard because he's the only guy down there. He's battling so many bodies. Like there's just a, a high probability where he's going to get, or Rodion's will get in foul trouble. And then you have to have somebody, a backup center. And it's like, do you play Dante Hall or do you play Lance Thomas? I would probably lean towards Hall in that situation. So I think right. maybe he's not regular rotation minutes, but I feel like he's going to have some burn in the series at some points. Like a little spot minutes in, in yeah. a game four or something like that. Um, Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he can play, like, I, I guess in that case. I don't know if he'll be, like, the regular backup, but sure. Like, I, I think he'll get some minutes. Um, he says Temple for Johnson. I actually kind of like Johnson out there a little more than Temple, depending upon who the matchup is, because I like Temple on Lowry or somebody, like, a little bit of maybe Van Vliet as well. Um, I like Tyler Johnson because I think he's really good at recovering. So if he mm. stunts and recovers or 
or even Diggs. Like, I just think he's like, he's quick enough that he can make those plays. And he's been weirdly essential to like what they do in terms of like being, of course, like a perimeter, um, sometimes point of attack, but at least one of the guys like guarding those wings and then helping out either on the strong side or the weak side. Um, and, and, and just helping with that. I don't know any action that they have down in the block. Um, that's especially important with Siakam who loves to post up. He loves to post up like almost to a fault sometimes where I'm like, Hey, face up instead of post up. But, <laughs> um, mm. that's yeah, a really I, good point on Tyler Johnson though, uh, especially I, with the way the Nets have been like attacking offenses. Yes. So I think he's super crucial. He he's more crucial than maybe we even realize, but, um, yeah, I think I would keep. I, I think you could play both of them. I think there'll be plenty of minutes. They'll obviously go smaller. So they're going to go small versus big and just play the three-point game, and that's going to be pretty much it. Um, and then the starting lineup, um, I don't disagree with that. I, I I really don't. I mean, I maybe you could put in Tyler Johnson as the starter and, and, and put Temple on the bench, but he's a veteran and he knows what he's doing, so I don't really see an issue with it. And plus, it's kind of nice to have – you know, TLC and Tyler Johnson coming off the bench. Those are some funky yeah. players to throw out there. So um, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, I think I like Tyler Johnson off the bench because he can give you some type of offensive spark, you know, when you have to put Karras to the bench or Joe to the bench or whoever it might be. He's a guy that can come in. And I like that point. I think there'll be enough minutes for him to play starter minutes. You know, he might not start the game, but he'll still be out there a good chunk of time because there just aren't, aren't a ton of great resources on this roster. And on the Dante Hall front, like, It'll be up to him, really, if he plays. Like, there'll be an opportunity for him to shine. If he plays well, he'll get more minutes on the court. I just have, you know, some some concern about his ability to understand, like, NBA basketball at this level. We're talking about a guy who doesn't have many NBA reps, spent most of the time in the G League. It just feels like going against high basketball IQ like Marcus Gasol could really, like, school him very quickly. Or I could see Cal Lowry getting him to foul him, like, three times in four minutes. It's a good point. Yeah, on the the Tyler Johnson thing, I I like Temple with the starters because I just think that he provides a, a soundness and, and a steadiness and, and a little bit of leadership that I think so it just calms calms those guys down. And you know he's probably the best perimeter defender that we have right now, despite the fact that you know I don't necessarily want him going against you know a guy like Pascal Siakam, but he he probably will be for at least some possession. So I I prefer. I prefer you know, don't change something that's already going well. You know, obviously, I think Tyler Johnson, and, and if Temple is forced to come off the bench and sort of lead the second unit, quote-unquote, you know, that necessarily hasn't gone as well for him where he has that extra responsibility with playmaking, creating offense. You know, I like him more as the the fourth, fifth starter that has to do, you know, the little things here or there, hit hit points, um, you know, maybe hit a shot off the catch or, or, or whatever it might be and, and sort of focus more on, on the defensive side of things. So I think that that's why he has performed so well uh, of late. And his minutes are going to be high. You know, he's been leading the team in minutes. You know, he's been one of the, the, the real sort of focal points in terms of closing lineups. And, you know, Tyler, and I think we saw, you know, if we look to, to the most recent sample size, you know, in the most recent sample size, obviously Chioza was injured. Um, and we had essentially just a seven-man rotation. You know, Justin Anderson played like nine minutes. But outside of that, you know, it was TLC and, and, and Tyler Johnson come off the bench and the Stars playing, you know, 37 minutes plus um, in, in a lot of respects. So, you know, Maybe that's going to have to happen, but there's a lot of time um, in between games. So the rest is certainly going to be fine. So I think the guys are going to be wanting to, to play extended minutes. We know Jacques Vaughn is willing to do that. So uh, I think we could see Tyler Johnson close games or TLC close games, depending on which guy's sort of hitting that three-point shot a little bit more and offense-defense sort of lineups. But I think that, you know, no matter what, uh, TJ, Tyler Johnson is going to be getting minutes. Um, there's no doubt about that. And with Dante Hall, 
Uh, you guys hit the nail on the head, you know. Uh, how smart is he going to be, you know, to actually play? The, the backup center, I, I, I said that that was the big weakness for the Brooklyn Nets, you know. We, we've looked better when a lot of the time where Rodion's courts is, is essentially playing the five. And, you know, Lance Thomas is barely an NBA player anymore, unfortunately. Justin Anderson <laughs> against the size of those guys and physicality of those guys is just, it's not going to happen. And, you know, Dante Hall literally by process of elimination might be the best option. So um, I, I think that Javon will be experimenting with anything. Like I said, darts at the board. Hopefully there's a, a couple of bullseyes there. But any other X factors for you, Nick? No, I was just saying with the starters, I think we all assume we got Lavert, Temple, Joe Harris, Rodions, and Allen. How are we looking at like the backup minutes? You know, Chioza, the backup point guard, Tyler Johnson, backup shooting guard, TLC backing up at three and the four, and then Rodions backing up to five. That's what I would. That's 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 how I I feel things would go. What about you, Matt? I agree I, wholeheartedly. Not really many many other yeah. options. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty limited. They're all guards, man. Like the bigs are so limited. Like, and I I don't know. Like I think that in terms of what Garrett Temple provides, in terms of that defensive acuity and and just as you as you guys have both made you know a, a great point, like just the little things. I think that's important next to Karis Levert, who even now still takes defensive possessions off because he's doing so much on offense. Yeah, I'm going to be it, intrigued by Karras in this series. Like, is he going to still take those possessions off? Like playoffs is a whole nother thing. The possessions matter even more. Like is Vaughn going to get after him a little bit more to do that? Like you want to be this great player. You talk about it all the time and like saying work is not done. That means you can't take plays off. So like, yeah. I think this will say a little bit about him. And like I mentioned with the off ball stuff earlier, maybe we can learn some more about him defensively in the series because the nets are going to need those turnovers. The Raptors don't necessarily give the ball away. So there's going to have to be plays made. And Karras has defensive potential. We talked about in the past, but there's always this concern that he's never going to hit it because of the offensive focus. Yeah, there was games in a lot of points in the season where we were seeing him get like four steals, two steals, two steals. He was, he was, he was really locked in on the on the defensive side of things. And yeah, I think you guys hit the nail on the head with the rotation. You reckon, you reckon Nick Nurse let us borrow Rondé Hollis Jefferson for a game or two? <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny how much like the Nets could really use. I mean, the bubble Nets could use so much any NBA player, but Rondé would be kind of nice to have this year. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't and I mean wouldn't he ever? I've I've always been a big fan of the hyphen. Nick, you've always been a big fan of the hyphen, being a hyphen man yourself. But um, shout out to Ronda Holtz Jefferson. He's doing some good things in Toronto, and you know we could use any of the the guys. That, I'll, I'll take Matt Thomas for God's sake. <laughs> Chris Boucher yeah. would be perfect. Chris Boucher um, would actually be really so helpful. He'd be amazing. He'd be like, he'd, oh gosh. Um, like, can right we get now. your third and fourth stringers just to make the series a little more entertaining? Like that'd be a big <laughs> help. <laughs> They playing. What was the guy? I didn't even remember what the guy's names was. Uh, half the players' names. Stanley Johnson. Level we'll take oh, Stanley yeah. Johnson for Christ's sake. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I'd rather give some minutes to, to Justin Anderson just because we can love we Justin like Anderson. The, can we get the Grizzlies like guys? <laughs> yeah, let, let's borrow like um, let's borrow, borrow Kevin um, Kevin Booker. Is that his name? That uh, <laughs> that's Twitter. Um, no, nah, they've already left unfortunately. So, but guys, before we get to the prediction, um, we also had a. a I hate more questions relating to the series. Um, and we had our guy, uh, Josh, jump in. And he was asking, if the Nets make it a close and entertaining series, pushing it to six or seven, do you consider this a win moving forward, especially considering how overwhelmingly shorthanded the roster is? Uh, Matt, what I guess is a win for you uh, in this series? Yeah, I mean, if if they got to seven, I don't even know what I would do with myself. Like, I, I honestly I don't. Snap, I, mean, I, think. <laughs> I, I think so. Well, I would be like, I would be just antagonizing Raptors Twitter. I'd be like, what do you, <laughs> you guys got to figure this out? 
<laughs> like, <laughs> sweet title defense. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not expecting much, but um, I don't know. There's a way to make it work. If they get hot for three games, I guess that's how you're going to do it. I feel like that's never a good way to go into a playoff series, though. It's like, yeah, if they go, like, 50% from three for three straight games. Um, I think they could win the series, like the most unrealistic situation. So, um, so n- nonetheless, um, I, I I think it would be nothing short of, of remarkable. And I think what it would really tell us is that J- Jared Allen and Karis LeVert have played well. That's, that's, that's exactly, if they go yeah. seven, those guys went, you know, and Joe Harris too. Um, but those two, especially Jared Allen, was able to play up to the caliber of both of those centers. Um, and that would just be an accomplishment in itself. And then just two, like Karis LeVert was able to find his shots. Yeah, and I think like if Jared Allen played that well, it just becomes incredibly difficult to trade him. You know what I mean? Like if he continues to play so well against a big-time playoff opponent like the Raptors, it just really you have to reevaluate the situation. We know the whole thing with DeAndre being the friend of Kyrie and KD, but like it doesn't hurt to have two centers that are good. Not that you're going to get the most use out of them, but that DeAndre contract is kind of stuck. And to talk about my point in terms of like how I would feel, I'm like already really happy that they're here. You know what I mean? And they have the seven seed. Like doing that alone, comparison to the Orlando team that, yeah, they had some injuries, but they were still substantially more talented. The Nets got that seven seed. They're going to have a matchup with the Raptors. If they can get one game in this series or two games, I'd be ecstatic. And like Matt said, if they got the seven, I don't even know what I would do because that would just scream that like so many of these players are playing over their ceiling and Vaughn is coaching like one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, I mean, he came third in the all-bubble coaching. Uh, Mark Jackson didn't even have him on his ballot. I mean, please. I'm sorry, I don't want to talk about Mark Jackson at all on this podcast. Um, yes. I've heard some really that, weird things about Mark Jackson's coaching philosophy that we'll save for another podcast. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be doing plenty of off-saves and coaching stuff. Don't worry about that. Um, we've got plenty of content on that one. We'll we'll save that, but we'll, we'll stick with this series. And I, I, I think you made a good point, Nick. You know, the Nets have already exceeded expectations. You know, they, they were just like at, heading into the, the bubble previews and sitting game previews, just like, yeah, the, the Nets are going to fall back to the eighth seed. Orlando, like, Orlando's healthy. Like, Orlando should have that seventh seed. Obviously, Jonathan Isaac, he wasn't necessarily expected to be back yeah. and, and playing fit basketball. So uh, for me, the, the fact that they've already exceeded expectations, locking in that seventh seed, you know, I think that that is uh, an achievement in itself. And you know, I, I think it's going to speak volumes to the players, to the coaching staff, to, to the role players as well. I think that these guys are playing for their own individual careers as well as you know uh, spots on the roster next season. So, uh, I mean, a game is, is, a, is an overachievement against a team like the Toronto Raptors, who is, you know, a goddamn championship contender. So, for me, uh, I'd, take, I'd take a game for, at, 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 on any day of the week. So, I think they've already exceeded expectations in so many ways that if they're to continue to, to show promise, um, even within the games, I think would be a good sign. But a couple more to get to, lads. Um, Matt, this is from at Atronic Amari. Would a healthy Jamal Crawford change your view of the series? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Um, no, but I mean, it would be it would be at least enticing to watch. He, he was he looked pretty good, like the what six minutes that he was out there. It was um, six I, minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, I I would say I would say no because I'd be a little worried for him like to come back and basically not play basketball for however long a year other than six months. And have to face like this absolutely historically devastating defense. Um, 
but no, I mean, I, uh, I think it would be nice for them to have a second scoring threat because outside of, you know, Karras right now, I guess that's Joe Harris. Is it Tyler Johnson? Like, it's pretty shaky right now. Yeah. So I think think it would help. I think it would help like a little, but like in terms of the big impact of the series, he doesn't necessarily like help them in terms of their major weaknesses and size and defense and all the things we've kind of talked about. But like Matt mentioned, having that second scoring option or second ball handler that can alleviate some of the pressure off Karis Avert when he's getting all this attention would be helpful. And then somebody just run that second unit where you're not putting as much pressure to have Levert and Joe Harris doing it all this time, being the offensive vocal point could be helpful. But again, we know Jamal Crawford's probably one of the worst defenders in the NBA. True, and I think at the end of the day, the Nets aren't going to out-defense one of the best defenses defenses in the league. They're, they're going to out-offense them. If that, don't, man, I'm not using analytically <laughs> sound terminology, and I'm embarrassing myself in the uh, to the analytics community and pretty much all of Matt's followers. You know, we, we know he's got he's got all those guys. Probably they'll, they'll begin up in Love my them. DMs after this one, but. I think that one thing that would, I guess, play in the hypothetical world of Jamal Crawford were to be in this series that we talked about hitting shots and just, you know, going crazy from three and just being absolutely gangbusters as an offensive unit. That's where Jamal Crawford would help. So I think that it would change things to an extent, like you guys mentioned, with just having another rotation player and all of that. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, all these other guys, even Torian Prince. But we don't. We've got these guys, and uh, we're going to do well. I'm, I'm still maintaining positivity. We'll be getting to those predictions soon. You've all been waiting for them. But we've got more questions. We've got more questions. And, Matt, I'll throw this at you. Uh, Sahil PST uh, asked us, how many three-point attempts will Joe average in the series? And is Karras, uh, the bona fide, definitely third best player in the series overall? I think he's meaning through both teams. Mm, ooh, wow. That's that's a, that was good... like my favorite question, I think. Yeah, right. I think so. I think I think he is probably, I don't want to do, cause, like Lowry, I respect a great deal. I think he's probably a top 30 player right now, top 35. So, and I think Karras will closer to top 40, so that's going to put him third. So, yes, I think he's the third best player. Um, what was the first part of the question? That was a good part. How many, many point attempts will Joe Harris average in the series? How many is he averaging right now? That, or in the bubble, I should say. Because that will help me decide. Is I think on the season more? he's averaging 5.9. Uh, in the bubble, I can find out. Let's I'm about to throw this. I'm about to do I'm- this real quick. I know that he he he's been out. He's had like games where he's had a heap. I mean, if we're looking at like mid-range shots, that he's been averaging. I know the other night um, against the Portland Trailblazers, I think he was like um, six point two. Sorry, so six point two. I think he's gonna have to average from a personal respect. You know, I've been I've been dubbed the Joe Harris down. I've, been, I've dubbed myself the Joe Harris down. <laughs> Uh, Will Jackson is calling me out with that BR thing, you know, with wearing the the, the, old, the old turtleneck and the, the old deviled eggs. <laughs> yeah, hey, he, wow. He, look, he looks good, and who doesn't like deviled eggs? I said it on Twitter, I'll say it here. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, uh, we all love Joe Harris. I will be wearing that Joe Harris long tee throughout every single game of the series. Um, I think it's it's... It's weird because it's almost like Joe still occasionally doesn't want to take the bad three. It's like he's still somewhat reluctant. But 
And if you're against OG Ananobi, he's probably going to force you up that line. But if you're taking them against Kyle Lowry and, and Fred Van Vliet, shoot over them, Joe. Shoot over them. Joey yep. Headband, you know, your tan is looking luscious. The gif of you bouncing in transition, those locks are looking goddamn beautiful. Uh, it needs to be six minimum. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, he's at 6.2 right now, up from 5.9 on the season, which is like, that's yeah, a great point. Like, the shots that he takes, he's, like, so, so wide open. I'm like, man, I just want you to, like, take a few really contested ones. Like, maybe get blocked on a three. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like, just, it's tricky. Like, I, I think we've been wanting this for however many years now where he's just going to up to, like, eight to nine a game and maybe even ten. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. Like, I don't know if that's in his DNA to take that. So, um, right now, I'm, I'm no, I, I, I think he's probably going to be around what he normally does because I've just seen Joe Harris play for a couple years now. The only game he really was willing to take contested threes was against the Clippers where he was like scorching hot. So yeah. may, maybe he'll take more, but I honestly feel like it might be less than what we've seen because the Raptors are going to make such a point of it. Yeah, like they're, they're going to make it hard for him to score, man. <laughs> there's going to be so much like pressure on him and Karis Verd and Jared Allen where like we've alluded to a lot this show that it's going to be on guys like TLC, Garrett Temple, you know, Tyler Johnson, Chris Gioza, Rodions to hit their shots because they're going to really limit the attempts that Joe gets. And if he does take shots, like you guys mentioned, they're probably going to be contested over Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, unless it's a lucky transition opportunity. But I'm not mistaken, Toronto has really good transition defense. So yep. it's it's going to be, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was five or less, just because of what the defense is trying to do to him. And like you guys mentioned, Joe's not going to really take bad shots. He's been more okay with taking those mid-range shots. And even getting to the rim, we saw him mix up his package a little bit. He has been good at, at that. And, you know, speaking of what, and if you do want to hear those sort of, you know, individual performances from Joe Harris, we've been recapping all the games. I, I will say his left hand, I, I said this on previous pod, his left hand driving at the rim has looked really good. Um, he's still got great footwork. He, he's still, you know, really strong. He's still not afraid to get blocked as well. He's got blocked a few times. Just reads the angles well. Really smart player, really strong player. Obviously, so many guys that just, just jump on him for his defense. It's just like, all right, guys, he did. I would rather have Joe Harris's effort and intensity uh, without the athleticism than, you know, Carol Severt's athleticism and lack of effort and intensity. I think that what everyone picks out, we pick out the weaknesses way too much of NBA players and, and fail to acknowledge their strengths. That's a more general point. I think Joe gets that, you know, plenty of other players, Ben Simmons, whoever else it might be, get that plenty. So I, I, I'm guessing I'm, it'll probably be like four and a half. If, if it is, if, the, if it is OG Ananobi uh, guarding it, it'll be four and a half. If, if it is a bit more free reign and he's given a bit more free rule, I think it could be around seven or eight. Um, I'm hoping that he takes a lot. I think I'm hoping the team takes a lot. I'm hoping we sh I guess that's the point that I'll, I'll throw at you guys as well. What should, is it, is that a key to them winning the series? Is the three point shooting? Do you want to see them go, you know, all out rocket style and take 50 of them, Matt? Yeah. Let's win the crazy, math battle. Right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's literally what I just wrote down is like they don't have much, but they have math. Like they can just play, they can play the math game. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's there's nothing math great. Is so fun, Matt. What are you but, talking about? I'm yeah, but it, it's to make math fun. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, did you guys watch the Houston uh, Dallas game from way early in the bubble? Yep, yep. That was <laughs> too much for me. I was, I was like, okay, like this is. I like threes. This is crazy. And I'm like, hey, if you play that way, you just never know. So I think that's the only way they can win. To be honest with you. Nets average 43s a game in the bubble. Crazy. Yeah, I think that's what they should do, personally.
The Rockets I, average 53 just for comparison. I don't know how it's like actually possible, but it makes and, no, you know, I believe I they only that, shot 33 two pointers. So <laughs> 53 threes into <laughs> that's that's wild. Yeah, they're gonna have to go all in, and and I, and it's weird because that number is obviously probably I don't know the the number on the regular season overall, but that number seems to me like it would be up despite the fact that we see more wind range shots being taken. So I don't think that it's I think the Nets are just gonna try and find. No, the I was talking to Rockets. The the difference for the Nets, I think they shot like 52s and 43s, which is still pretty high though. Oh, I meant like an overall season yeah. average. It sounds like the Nets are are a little bit up on. On what it would be, um, maybe it's just everyone like we sort of chatted to a little bit earlier. The Nets are just going to try and find their shot, you know, f- to find whichever the open lane is, find the find the angles, you know, but be it driving, be it putting the pressure on the Toronto defense, be it some mid ranges. We got a couple of guys that can do that, but yeah, that math is fun, and I will take that to my great. <laughs> um, I like la- it. Last uh, last question from listener before I throw a few uh, guys at myself. Um, massive, awesome listener of the show. Truly cheap guy at cheap guy in NYC, uh, and this relates to Jacques Vaughn again. How many Brooklyn wins against Toronto will it take for Jacques Vaughn to take the head joke, head coaching job for good? Matt, throwing it your way first. Oh man, this is such a million dollar question. I don't know. So, is there a number? I don't know if there's a number. I think he's probably already won them, right? If, if he's going to win it. And like, I'm not saying like these, these seeding games mean the world, but I, what I mean to say is like, um, I, I have to say, I, I think that if, if they have a coaching choice picked out, there's not that much he can do. He's coaching for another job. I mean, you saw the Pelicans, I believe it was the Pelicans, right? Yeah. Yep. Looking at Vaughn. Um, I, if, if the Nets, have somebody in mind, whether it's a Popovich, which I can't tell how real that rumor is at this moment in time, or even if it's like a Ty Lue, like there's just not that much he can do. Yeah, I guess like the only thing he could really do, and I don't even know this would guarantee it, but if he upset the Raptors in the first round and a lot of it was due to coaching and out coaching Nick Nurse, he would put the Nets in a position where they'd look really bad if they didn't retain him. But like you said, Matt, if they already have, you know, Popovich in mind or Ty Lue as the guy, or maybe, you know, Kyrie and Katie don't think super highly of Vaughn or they don't have a great relationship with him, that could play a factor too. So I'm not sure how much Jacques Vaughn can really determine his future, as sad as that is to say. It's, uh, it is a good point because, you know, we've loved what he's done on and off the court. We've, we've raved about it on, on the buzz, you know, ever since the, the Sydney experience has happened. And, you know, in those two games, you know, he's... His winning percentage and then record as a Brooklyn Nets head coach has been goddamn good, and I think it, you you make both of you are just making really salient points on in that regard. You know how much you know, and I'm going to steal a point from David Dufour here. How much of what Jacques Vaughn is doing in Orlando is actually truly going to impact what's happening um, next season with, with Kyrie and KD? Same thing, you know, we sort of talked about with Carlos Avert a little bit. You know, it's not necessarily going to be impacting anything. If anything. It shows how good of a coach he is for other teams, you know, mm. you know, role-playing sort of teams and building team culture, that sort of thing, like a Chicago Bulls or, you know, maybe to an extent the New Orleans Pelicans, but they've got the sort of talent there. And, you know, who know, who else? Maybe Sacramento. Who, who knows what could happen around the league? You know, he's proven himself, whether it be as a Brooklyn Nets head coach or a – I think he's learned, and I've said this before, you know, years ago his days – 
uh, as the Orlando head coach. He's clearly modernized and, and changed his ways. And it, as any good practitioner does, and, and as any good leader of people does, he's changed and learned and, and adjusted and adapted, become more malleable and flexible. He looks like a head coach you know, of an NBA yeah. team. And if not like a, a true lead assistant, um, he deserves to get his chance in some form or another uh, with Brooklyn or, or elsewhere. So um, we are a massive Jacques Vaughn stands uh, at the Brooklyn yes. Buzz. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, questions I had for you guys. Uh, we all listen to uh, a, a large amount of general NBA pods uh, here. We're all very learned. We all have our own general NBA pods and discussions that we have. So Taz Mellis of No Dunk said that the Nets would be better suited to face the Bucks. Matt Brooks, do mm. you think that the net, this Nets team would have been better suited to take on the Milwaukee Bucks? I think yes, um, which feels crazy. <laughs> I, do I really think that? I don't know. They don't have anybody <laughs> to throw at Giannis. I guess like they could do what they did last time. Dante Hall, what are you <laughs> but, talking uh, about? I Let's guess. get Mo Wagner in and just throw them just a like headbutt him like crazy and just drive him wild. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll stick with the Raptors. I think the Raptors are a better matchup. If you play the math game, maybe you win one because they're just, you know, they're not quite where the even the Bucks are, even if they're struggling a little bit, are offensively. So um, if they play the math game, I, I do like how that looks for them, at least in one game. I, I don't know. I, I think that, that Bucks game was a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah, I think the one thing that you look at from the Bucks perspective is they give up a lot of three-point shots, and they're more willing to let anybody shoot the threes, where Toronto, I think, is a little bit more specific in who they're allowing. And, you know, I think also Milwaukee's willing to go under screens. But then on the other end of the floor, Giannis would just dominate the Nets to the highest. He would probably average 40 and 20 playing, like, 25 minutes. Like, I'm not even joking there. Like, I just think he would be so locked in, and Rodion's would just get eaten alive. Jared Allen would get eaten alive. And then if he's not doing his thing, the Bucks have been pretty – pretty willing to go to Brooke Lopez in the low post and like what Rody Hans against Brooke Lopez in the low post like he's getting cooked Jared Allen could hold his own but then you know Giannis is having his way with Rodion so I think there's different perspectives where maybe it'd be easier for the Nets to score on Milwaukee but offensively the Bucks would just destroy them and then in the Raptors perspective defensively the Raptors are amazing and they're going to make Karis Levert's life miserable and make the bad shooter shoot but offensively it might be a little bit easier to stop them because they don't have that dominant force like Giannis and they probably don't even have a player to Chris Middleton's status offensively. So it's like trying to stop those two guys. I know Siakam's really good, but I would trust Middleton more in like an isolation situation on the perimeter than probably Siakam. Uh, I would as well. I, I think that there, there are points where you could make, and I think that we sort of talked about, you know, making the math work. You know, the math could work against the Milwaukee Bucks, but, you know, in, in another universe, I was watching Interstellar the other day, so I'm, all, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all hyped up about different universes. I love, <laughs> love Spider-Man. Love I love Spider-Man into the oh. multiverse. Let's get some let's get some Brooklyn Buzz spin-offs into the offseason, Matt. Let's <laughs> yeah. get some movies going. Um, but in saying that, uh, I think you're tossing a coin. These are both yeah. two tremendous defensive teams, two tremendous offensive teams. Maybe not in the half-court situation, but you know Pascal Siakam and the, the, the amount of quality depth that the Toronto Raptors have is goddamn insane. And the Milwaukee Bucks have a guy who has. Shoulders and biceps the size of my goddamn entire body. Um, and his size and physicality is just overwhelming with a capital O. He's just a, a man mountain. And uh, Dante Hall can only do so much, despite the fact that I'm a Dante Hall stan. Last one I'll throw at you, lad, before we get to our predictions. 
I thought of this one because I thought I'd try and bring something to the table because our listeners were doing so much for us. Hypothetically, are the Nets better suited to the bubble playoffs than a regular season, normal sort of playoff situation where it's Barclays home away and the Air Canada Centre home and away, that sort of thing? Do you think that they're better suited to bubble or normal? What do you think, Matt? Ooh. Oh, man. That is a really, really, really good question. Um, That's so hard to tell because this group is so new. I guess bubble, right? Because they're so young and you don't know what the limelight's going to look like. The Raptors um, crowd is mean. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Those nice Canadians aren't so nice during playoff basketball. Sorry, um, Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's not even a Raptors fan. <laughs> he hates the Raptors. Um, yeah, I would say probably the bubble because I think this group is just so green in terms of like what they've what they've gone through so far. Yeah, and I think just the hype for the Raptors coming off a championship run, their crowd noise and everything is just going to be more than what it's going to be at Barclays. Like the Nets haven't been great with tickets in the past, and missing all these stars definitely wouldn't help them in this case. So I think they'll be better suited in the bubble. Also, no travel. It's a neutral environment. Weirder things I feel like can happen, and maybe it could help take some of the intensity out of the Raptors. Uh, I, I think that I, I agree with what both, both of you guys are saying. I expected you guys to sort of say, I think that yeah, the, there's a lot of pros to the bubble situation, and it's why we're seeing these anomalies in terms of results for the guys like the Phoenix Suns, like the Brooklyn Nets, um, like, or like you know, Portland Trailblazers just going absolutely crazy. I, I think that in terms of the regular, if you're arguing um, to, for the opposite, then there aren't many sort of things. You know, the Barclays Center crowd can get hype you know if i was there i mean if, if in a non-covid world seventeen thousand jack manuals you better damn believe it that wearing my long tee joe harris seen a, a, a tall six foot three loud dude in the crowd yelling out doing live post-game pods <laughs> in the arena they, the nets are going to be feeling it so uh unless my presence were there uh then it's definitely bubble situation definitely bubble situation Anything else you guys wanted to add before we get to the prediction? I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, I think we nailed this. Yeah. <laughs> we, we dived deep, deep, deep into this one. So let's get to the predictions. I will shout out one final listener, one final person who jumped into the comments um, to provide us something. A question that he had. <laughs> Do we win in four or five? Uh, I said in three. Um, but in, in all honesty, Matt, what do you got for the prediction? Shout out to at Dylan uh, J67. <laughs> um, probably five right now. That's the one I'm at. I, I think there'll be a weird, maybe a weird game one. You know, the Nets come out feeling themselves and the Raptors kind of sleep on them a little bit, similar to what we saw against Orlando last year. But I, I don't expect this to be a terribly competitive series. The Nets... I mean, look, like, I don't even know what their rotation looks like. Like, is it, like, six, six, seven guys? I, I don't know. I mean, there are certain guys, like, I don't even know who their backup point guard is. I guess it would be they'd, they'd run Karras at point and then Tyler Johnson off the bench, and that gives you Tyler Johnson and TLC, and then I'm not even sure who the next rotation guy is after that. Point being, um, they are not particularly deep. They are relying a lot on one player who I think we've discussed pretty 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 much in depth about what Toronto may throw at him in, in Karis LeVert. And it's just really hard for me to take this super deep, you know, experienced 
tested Toronto team and say, yeah, that this is this this seems like an advantageous you know matchup for the Nets. So I have five right now. Yeah, I mean it's a championship team. So I'll say this: the the professional in me and like the objective person is saying Raptors in five. The Nets fan is saying Nets in I mean not Nets Raptors in six. Like maybe mm-hmm. the bubble Nets can give us some other crazy surprises like they have. But like objectively, I think Matt's right. It's probably Raptors in five. The optimistic view would be Raptors in six. It's hard to see it going seven or anything else like that. And I think even if it goes five or six, some of those games are going to probably be blowouts in favor of the Raptors. Yeah, I'm going to be irrational and subjective. <laughs> uh, Nets in seven. Um, I put it on the OTG spreadsheet. I'm going to bring it here. And then when I get to JBT later today, I'll change my prediction to Raptors in five. I love doing so many different podcasts. <laughs> that is cheating. Hey, <laughs> I'm allowed to do it. I did literally last year or the year before, Nick, when I was on the outlet, I predicted, you know, Portland in seven. And on a different one, I said New Orleans in seven. Cover you, both go. days. you got to cover it all. You know, when you... Had, when you put your name out there, when you're on different audio platforms in so many different ways, why not cover your ass? You know, we've got people coming up in Matt's DMs arguing about goddamn synergy stats. <laughs> <laughs> takes and takes. Just throw them all out there. Who cares about the different takes? I'm, I'm cold cowherd with this shit. Nets in seven, baby. Uh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> good way to end. Good way to end. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that calls it. Shout out to analytics, Twitter. I love you guys. You're the best. <laughs> all right fellas that wraps it up obviously we'll be recapping every game on the brooklyn buzz in which you can find on itunes google play spotify otgbasketball.com and blue wire pods sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams at events major league baseball is back in action there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner bet online check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on all available 24 7 and with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Vandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.